welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in. Paul George in studio with Deacon Adam Conk and Uncle Chad. What's up, fellas? What's up? How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. So we uh, did not record last week. For those who, uh, folks that listen to the podcast or on the radio, thanks for listening in. Uh, actually, the Rona uh, hit the studio, and so they shut the studio down for the week. Um, so we didn't get to record last week. It was a bummer. Bummer. Rona be gonna. And I don't think that's we, what I say. <laughs> I don't think we did the week before either. Corona so be gonna. Wow. I think there was like a w- the week before that we had something as well. So it's you know we're kind of rusty. Adams <laughs> Adams sitting in the uh, producer chair. Chad walked in late to the studio mainly because we actually have this cool thing that's coming up for the radio station. So if you if you live here in Acadiana area, Louisiana. It's exciting, but it's also going to be online, so people can buy. We're doing a raffle, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a cool raffle. Can I, can we talk about it? Can we Absolutely. It? I don't know. I don't want to step over, you know, you guys' is... Well, you're the one that would be getting arrested if, if you're doing something illegal, okay. announcing it, so okay. it's all your fault. But um, no, we, uh, we're launching it next month, mid-December, but our good friends at Hub City Ford... Todd Citron, who's on Catholic Radio, host of Cajun Catholics and a great sponsor of the Catholic Radio station here in Lafayette. Um, he is working with us on a Ford Bronco giveaway. Like the actual Super exciting. remake of the Ford Bronco that's coming out? Yeah, it's new and improved. I don't know when the last year was that they sold Ford Broncos, right. but it, it's been a while. So people of my generation, like the Ford Broncos, like brings back all memories of like the childhood you know everything. Good like memories. The Ford Bronco was, and we. My dad had a Ford Bronco. It was the, it was the, the bigger one. You know, but it was used. It was old. Just loved it. And then I had you know friends that had like the the smaller one, the Bronco two. It was like the best thing ever. And then they went away. And I think they kind of knew eventually we're going to bring it back and we're going to mm. make a ton of money. I think they had to do a brand reset because people in my generation, when I hear Ford Bronco, I only think one thing: junk. O.J. Simpson. Okay, oh. gotcha. Gotcha. Like, that's the that. only thing I think about. Yeah. When, wow. When I think Bronco, so I think they just had to reset that brand. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it worked because everybody's like, I can't wait to get a Bronco. Problem is, there's not that many of them, Paul. They're not making a whole bunch. So, our good friends at Hub City Ford said, Well, look, why don't we use this to our advantage to benefit Catholic Radio? We'll do a raffle, twenty dollars a ticket. All proceeds benefit Catholic Radio. And and we think that's a great idea. It is a great idea. So not only people locally would be able to buy it, but there would be a website so people all over can buy a ticket for $20 with a chance to win the new Ford Bronco. Isn't that something? Super really? exciting. Yeah, my generation, like if you if you owned a Ford Bronco, you were cool. Like because this was throwback, you know. Right, because they were older. You had the classic ones. Right, so we had like three or four guys in the school parking lot that had a Ford Bronco. And see, for me, it was like when you owned a Ford Bronco, you were fancy and had money because it was like they were out. You had to get them new. You know, Mm -hmm. they were really good. That is interesting. Yeah, so uh, pay attention mid December and um, support Catholic Radio, and it's a good Christmas gift. Come on. Like, here's a few tickets. You may get a Bronco. You may get a Bronco. That's better than socks. I mean, no offense to anyone who's ever given me socks, because I love my socks, but it is better than socks. I do like a good pair of socks. (laughs) Seriously. Well, Chad's (laughs) dressed nice today. He came in with a sports jacket and and slacks. 
No, for no particular reason, to be honest. Really? Sometimes, like, no reason. No, sometimes usually, I dress nice because all my other pants are dirty. <laughs> and <laughs> I dress around these pants, you know? Such if I'm going to wear slacks, I got to wear... Such a guy thing. I got to... I, I can't just wear slacks in a polo, you know? It doesn't look good. Well, you usually dress like a youth minister, you know, jeans. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. shirt, tennis shoes. It's part of the lifestyle. But you look like you could get a real job. <laughs> I'd like a real job. I thought, yeah. a youth, I thought a youth minister was a real job. Not really. It's uh, not dep- really. Depends who you talk to. You know, way back in the day when I was a youth minister, people would literally tell me. They would, like, come up to me like, so, um, like, when are you going to get, like, a real job? <laughs> they would, I, I my mean, wife my wife has a real job, and they'll say, well, at least somebody in the relationship has to have a real job. <laughs> right. That's what they'll tell me. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, if you get paid, it's a real job. I mean, don't be jealous because you're getting paid to do like something you, you that you even pay taxes and things like that. You, you know, know it's, it's legit. That, yeah, and God forbid, like you get paid or you do something that's actually helping change the world. You mm, know, goodness, like yeah. some type of good cause. Well, I think a lot of people think your job is something that you do that you don't enjoy doing or want to do. So, like, when are you gonna get one of those? Like everybody else, right? When you gonna be miserable <laughs> yeah. like us, right? Never. Never. Maybe one day. I don't know. Just, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Gotta feed a family. So yeah. do you guys have right. a, um, have you seen today? What I did do. you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? I have a really weird have you seen. For real? Yes. Very weird. Okay. So <laughs> I just, I just want to prepare you for this. Okay. All right. So I, I have, I, I saw an article for the future of meat. What does today. that even mean? So uh, you've seen... <laughs> You've seen like Impossible Foods, right? Right. Like Beyond Burger and things like that. Okay. It's like plant-based meat, mm-hmm. but they have developed a way for you to grow your own meat. Like what? There's lab-made meat. It's not meat. That exists. You have to grow it. Listen, it, meat's grown anyway. A cow has to grow for you to. What I know that, have but it's an actual point. animal. So you don't plant the cow in the ground and it grows. Right. <laughs> so what, what they've what they've done is. Uh, well, there's there's two things. First, I didn't know this, but for a long time now, they've been developing a way to sort of take cow DNA and, and parts of the cow and, and grow it in the lab, and it can come out and like be a steak. Wow! So that's something that that's they've done. Nuts! But protein heaven. Here's like, yeah. Here's the kicker. Okay. Is that you could be growing your own meat? In fact, you already are. What? They developed a way for you to take home. Your own little kit. It's not for sale yet. Where you take the inside of your cheek, you put it in something, and it grows. Wait, into meat. Whoa, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Is this like real, or is this like you're gonna eat? You're gonna have some homemade steak. That's like disgusting. Yourself? Yeah. Okay. No, wait. Hold no. on. We just crossed the line. Totally. Like it is. A, it is someone who dabbles in Catholic morality. Like this is can- a new frontier. Cannibalism is not. <laughs> I know. This is like. Isn't a, it weird? A, but it's not quite. It's not like you're killing somebody to eat it. Right. This is crazy. I'm just saying that they've made it. I'm not saying I yeah. want it. No, I'm no, just no, saying no. that it exists. This is a new frontier of moral so questions. N- yeah. Right. Wow. We're gonna have to deal with this. Yeah. You okay. Know. Well, here's an analogy. It's morally acceptable for a woman to eat her placenta. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is we all agree that's morally acceptable, and this is even done. Actually, for one of our our children, the doctor asked, you know, hey, do you want us to take the placenta and make you know vitamins out of them or mm-hmm. whatever? And I was just like, what is that a thing? It is. It is. And apparently, it so is. could it be something like that as far as how we would approach it morally to say it'd be okay because you're growing something you can eat? It's yeah. not like you're doing like a really 
a lot of harm to yourself either. You know, it's like that's true. Your your cheek. So it would be interesting, like just take the cow thing, like if it actually like you could grow meat. Like I don't know, that'd be weird. Now for every guy out there, every guy out there is probably like I'll do it. Like I'll grow meat so I can just eat meat all the time because it's mm-hmm. one of the most expensive things to buy meat, right? right? Mm-hmm. And what do guys love to eat more than anything? Meat, you know, like mm-hmm. so. Well, real men anyway. I would, <laughs> I would, I'd be willing to, uh, to. Um, investigate in the into the, like the cow reproduction but my uh, gut okay my gut is much more friendly towards the idea of a cow plant right than like an atom plant okay so as you're as you're <laughs> yeah definitely as you're on this moral you know sort of dilemma which is cool because my have you seen is like hey have you seen this kind of more serious is that we were all have seen like the you know second and third spikes in covid right mm-hmm. and you know rumor is we're you know we're going to go backwards a little bit in phase two and, you know, the holidays and, you know, it's whatever, you know, my kids school, they're, they're, they're back on virtual and, oh, really? you know, everything's, you know, cases are up and whatnot, man. But there's a vaccine coming out, right. Saying that it's like 94, 95% effective. I don't know. I'm just, you know, stuff that I'm reading and, you know, there, so there's a lot of moral dilemmas around this. Uh, one is, you know, a, are you now required to have a vaccine to like exist on this planet because of this, right? Do you have freedom to say yes or no to have that or not? A lot of people, and that's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come out, right? People are going to be wondering what do they do? Uh, the s- secondary moral dilemma is to your point, Adam, about the growing meat thing that Chad randomly brought up. Huh. Is, it's a have you seen? You is ex- this, you that's probably the best have you seen I've ever heard. Because <laughs> I had not seen it, and it just raises so many questions. <laughs> not only have I not seen it, I haven't heard it. So right. it was a have you seen and a have you You're heard. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, is the moral dilemma is that some of the vaccine companies are using baby fetuses to develop the vaccine. And then for us as Catholics to be aware of which companies those are because there is a moral line and moral dilemma in that regard, mm-hmm. right? So I've been seeing some of that come out. I don't know if you've read anything oh, yeah. about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, the, from what I can understand, the one that Pfizer, which was the first to announce, the one that Pfizer's produced does not come from research with aborted fetuses, but the one that Moderna has produced does. Yeah, there was and, one Moderna and AstraZeneca, and I don't know, you know, I haven't done enough research to know 100% certain that it, that it's true but when it began to pop out pop up and I began to read about it I was like you know what I didn't I never thought about that this vaccine would have you know another you know some moral dilemmas to to yeah. you know to it yeah and I mean the the issue is going to be is that the Pfizer one requires sub-zero temperatures for storage but the Moderna and the others do not so from a practical standpoint in the distribution of it, I think people or companies or governments might favor something that's easier to store. But unfortunately, that's the morally objectionable one as far as production goes. But then you're right. Then there's also the dilemma of can you force people to to do it? You know, um, I think you can't. I mean, I think the church is pretty clear about uh, about that. And that's, for example, there are like measles and chicken pox and stuff like that you don't have to take those and some of them are morally objectionable. Right. Um, and so, you know, you can choose not to take them. Yeah. And with, you know, with a virus, like we, as humans, we develop sort of a, 
our our own um, would you say natural vaccine to viruses, right? Mm-hmm. Stay healthy, like we we kind of you know sort of this herd immunity where our bodies um, you know pick up on you know a flu you know and and then can reject it and then we get it and it's not as bad. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us get the flu shot, some of us don't, right? Uh, with this vaccine, you know, they're saying that it comes out that it, um, you know, for people who are most affected by the virus, who are most at risk, you know, it would be available for them first, right? And for younger people who it doesn't affect as much. I, I've actually now, because of like the second and third spike, knowing a lot of people who have had coronavirus. Yeah, it's everywhere. With, with very little effect on, hey, it, it was a bad cold, one day of flu symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of varies for everyone else. But, um, but for people who are at risk, you know, them taking the vaccine or whatever. So I, I don't know. It's just interesting to read about. Um, you know, one of the sponsors of our show is Solidarity HealthShare, which one of the things about Solidarity is that they are in the know on what is morally okay when it comes to healthcare. Mm. And they're probably going to be putting out, you know, things about the vaccines and which ones follow quote unquote church teaching, you know, that don't use um, baby, you know, fetuses and, and whatnot, which are aborted, right? Mm. To develop a vaccine. Yeah, don't they have a they have a great place to check it out? I think there's a Catholic Bioethics Institute, right? I think that's the what center, it's called. Yeah, the Catholic Bioethics Center. Mm-hmm. And and they make a lot of statements on vaccines and which vaccines are safe and which one, I say safe, which was which vaccines use aborted fetal cell lines and which ones don't that's it's an interesting thing because that baby that was aborted was from the 1970s that most of the fetal cell lines run from that's how long ago and they're still using the i mean it's it's crazy but they have a uh, they have great resources on which ones use it and which ones don't including you know the common vaccines that are already in existence that you can look into it's an interesting topic though right because like if if it was smallpox you know, like when they would cure smallpox, they would force quarantine. And I mean, the, the the vaccine wasn't objectionable at all. But, you know, they'd force quarantine and you'd have to take the vaccine. Right. To get, I mean, the cowpox vaccine. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the National Bioethics Center, uh, Catholic Bioethics Center. So Father Tad Paholchek, who runs that and who's dedicates his life to these questions, he stays on top of everything because that's his full-time gig, right? So... Find them, follow Father Tad. You can trust Father Tad. Um, he knows what he's talking about, and he's 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 true to the faith and to the magisterium, and he's very knowledgeable about all these things. So he will stay on top of everything. So check that out. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and and this kind of spills over into a lot of things, and we'll cover it in in the next uh, segment. So we'll take a break. It's Paul George Show with Deacon Adam and Uncle Chad. Be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. All 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on the podcast or on radio, Catholic Radio for Acadiana, 90.5 KLFT. Got a Bronco raffle coming up. It's going to be announced next month. Uncle Chad and Deacon Adam, you guys are kind of helping coordinate and organize Making this. Making it happen. I was kind of on, on the front end, but you guys blew past me, and, and I, I can't even keep up with, <laughs> with how good you guys are on organizing this. <laughs> That's okay. You can, you can follow along later. Can I buy a ticket or... Because I work for the station or with the show or like a I can. I don't know. That's would, a good question. We'll have to it, figure that out. Certainly me and Nong Chad are, are not. I'm out. But as much as I want that Bronco. But right. I think you might be able to. Really? And so will millions of people. Well, maybe I'll just have like my kids buy millions. a ticket. And then that way if they win. Imagine if we me. sold a million legit. tickets. One million tickets. Well, there's four million people in Louisiana. I would say at least one fourth of them should get one. So. <laughs> well, our goal is to raise money for the station. So. You know, those of you listening in, Catholic Radio is a nonprofit. You know, it's, it's it's funded by donations and generosity of folks. And so the raffle is to help raise money for the station, to keep it on air, to pay for tower space, pay for the studio. Yep. And expand. You know, it's it's uh, it, the coronavirus has affected so many nonprofits. Thankfully, Catholic Radio is one of those where people still listen to Catholic Radio during the coronavirus, right? Like, even if they're not driving at home, people are listening. In fact... Our digital digital listenership has been up this year, um, so kudos to everybody listening digitally. But uh, the mission needs to continue and grow because it's times like a coronavirus you remember the importance of the gospel, and remember that people need to actually hear the gospel, and not just once or twice, but like all the time. And so there are certain apostolates that are dedicated to literally sharing the gospel twenty four seven. And Catholic Radio is one of those. Yeah, like, it's cool. It's literally, yeah. the gospel's on the airways 24 hours a day in Acadiana because of this apostle, which is pretty neat. And people uh, interact with it different ways, but it is changing lives. And so we want to expand and grow, um, particularly with local programming like this show, um, Cajun Catholics. We have the Daily Mass, but we want to we do a lot more. Yep. And the only thing in our way, Paul, money. We got, the, we got the talent. We all know that. We all know we have talented, wonderful, good, hardworking Catholics in Acadiana like nowhere else. Go to Washington, D.C., Paul. Are you going to find it there? No. I don't know. <laughs> Go to Paris, France. you going to find it there? I don't know. No. I'll tell you, no. <laughs> in Acadiana, it's such a special place with so many great Catholics here doing great work every day. So we want to get them on the air. Right. But we, need, we just need money. That's all we need. That's good. All right, so I was looking up the website. It's ncbcenter.org. This is the, uh, you know, the National Center of, you know... Um, National Catholic Bioethics. Yeah, Center. National Catholic Bioethics. You know, all the letters right there. Yes. Right. We're talking about the more dilemma with the vaccine in the first segment. You know, a lot of people don't think, you know, you're listening, and the assumption in our world is that everyone does the right thing, has good intentions, and, and follows the moral you know, and ethical, you know, <laughs> standards mm -hmm. that are in line with our Christian faith. And the reality is that's not the case. I mean, we saw it just recently in this election where, you know, a large majority of people, you know, don't don't vote on issues of pro-life or, uh, pro, you know, abortion. It's not, it's not an important issue to them, you know, things like that. For us as Catholics, Christians, there are certain issues that, you know, align very heavily with our our moral standards and beliefs, you know, in Christ and the church. So you don't think, oh, just a vaccine and I'll just get shot and I'll be fine. Whereas, you know, some companies are, you know, developing the vaccine that 
would morally and ethically go against what we believe. And this is what Catholics, I mean, ideally Catholics developed the vaccine, right? Like the church, the church at her best for 2000 years was the one developing things, developing art, developing science, developing, I mean, everything from the university to the hospital system all came from the Catholic church because when we're at our best, we are the one doing the innovations and the developments. But if we can't be the ones actually making the vaccine, we need to be out there morally critiquing and morally explaining why Catholics and non-Catholics should or should not do such and such. So we can at least be a moral leader if we can't be a, a leader in the field itself. We need to be the moral voice. And um, yeah, so I, so big shout out to to the bishop and bishops. I know one in particular, but there's probably others that are commenting on the vaccine because this is going to be a, a issue pretty soon. And Catholics can't just be like everybody who's not Catholic. There should be a difference between the way we do things and the way non-Catholics do things, the way we vote, the way we take vaccines, all of it. And um, if not, then why did Jesus come? You know, If we don't live like Christians and make decisions like Christians, then why did Jesus found a church? Like mm. We should be different from everyone else. Mm, man, that's one thing I've been thinking about lately is, is the cultural identity of Catholics in America. It's like just almost non-existent. It's kind of sad. Like in what way? Like where, where's the tension that you're feeling around that? Because I, I guess the lives just don't look different. Okay. It's like you can't look out and be like, that's a Catholic. Right. Yeah. You know? Maybe we should all dress in, in like uh, religious. Um, <laughs> should all wear our pectoral crosses. <laughs> You know, Adam, maybe you should joking. should wear like a, you know, an alb all the time. Hmm. What if lay people had like a... Um, <laughs> a habit? I guess religious orders are, are like pretty a, Like a lay habit. And priests. It'd be weird. <laughs> that would be It'd be weird. strange. <laughs> well... I mean, really, culturally, we're supposed to blend in, in a sense, and, and yeah. live. But, but morally and ethically, right. and we're supposed to be different. You know, and I was just recently giving a talk this week... So this week I had two talks, and they were local, but they were in person, okay? And the reason I say that is because this is the first talks in person, right? Not Zoom or a pre-recorded video talk that was sent to some random conference that I never went to um, since March 2nd. So nine months it's been since I've given, like, a talk, you know, in person to people, right? Must, must have been the best talk Which is ever. crazy because, you know, just knowing me, like, you know, I would give, you know, two or three, four talks a month, you know, depending mm. on the month, right? So it was it was weird because it was like, oh, there's people here and I'm actually giving a talk. <laughs> and then and then I had to get used to the fact that I have braces and it just feels weird to talk. And so one of the talks I gave this week were to Catholic business owners and leaders, right? Specifically Catholic uh, business owners and leaders an organization called Legatus, which is a great organization that helps business owners, Catholic leaders, entrepreneurs, you know, like um, people in business to uh, grow in their faith. And their mission is to uh, be ambassadors for Christ in the marketplace. Okay. So as a regular, you know, CEO or business owner, whatever, you know, looks like it, whatever the case may be, but they're called to act differently in the marketplace in a sense that that's their mission field. That's the place where they're called to bring Christ. They're called to act differently, be differently, follow different morals and standards than what the rest of the world uh, says you should do in business, right? 
And so it was cool. It was challenging because, and, and that's what, actually what I talked about was how do you uh, become a missionary, an ambassador for Christ in the marketplace? How do you share Christ with those around you um, in your work and in your company? So, I love that. Yeah. I okay. I'll, I'll tell you what made me think about it. I was thinking about how we're going to celebrate Christmas with my kids. Like when I have, you know, kids that I have to give presents and things to. And you do have a kid. This coming. is your last one without. I know, I know. And I'm like, man, how do I, like there's no way that Catholics celebrate Christmas, you know? I mean, they just kind of celebrate it like the rest of the world, or at least the people that I've been around. And it's not that I'm, I'm criticizing. I'm just like. Yeah. What makes it different the way you celebrate? Right. What, what, what lets my kids know that I believe that Jesus is real and I'm excited about his birth. You actually talk about it. You I know, I know, it. but like, but like that, I celebrate Christmas as if Jesus is real and not just Santa Claus. You know, right? Well, I think there's yeah. a, an important cultural principle that I try to promote as often as possible: is that the church doesn't sanitize the world. So what I mean by that is we don't inherit things from the world and then like sanitize them and make them okay, and then that's our life. That is not the church. And when we do this. We not only do we not get any personal satisfaction or religious satisfaction out of it, we're not accomplishing the mission of the church. So, for example, in the business world or in your Christmas celebrations, like we don't inherit what the world does and then just take out the bad parts. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's not the church. That's not the way the church celebrates Christmas, and that, that's not the way the church does business. Right. What we do is we lead the world to Christ. That's how we do it. Right. right? Like we lead those around us and wherever we live to christ by the way we do business yes and by the way we celebrate christmas right and it should look a lot different and sometimes we don't make the business deal sometimes we get like i remember when i was a teacher and um i guess my oldest was a couple years old or whatever and the thing is we don't okay cover your ears this is a controversial topic if you got kids in the room cover your ears all right cover kids ears but we don't do santa claus the way like people do Santa Claus. We talk about St. Nicholas and we have like gifts that the kids get that we tell them is through the intercession of St. Nicholas. In other words, like mom and dad put them in your shoe, which is what we do. But, and St. Nicholas wanted you to get them. So like they're from St. Nicholas through his intercession, but like mom and dad did this, right? <laughs> and then the kids helped do it for other kids. Point being, when that got out, when I was a teacher, I was like the worst person oh, ever. Oh, people think you're crazy. For real. And right. there was actually a toy drive for my kids to be from Santa, that like a parent of the school. Because oh, they, they're like, oh, he's depriving. <laughs> and look, you know, culturally, and, and that's what you guys decided to pray and discern to do as a family, right? Yeah. To keep the focus on Christ. And what I would say to anybody listening is, if it's your job as parents to pray, how can you as a family keep the focus on Jesus in your home and in the, in the, in the work that you do, okay? And then that's where God gives us the freedom and discernment. If you want to do Santa and you can still keep the focus on Jesus mm-hmm. and him being the priority, then by all means do it, right? Mm-hmm. For us, it was interesting. We were living in Atlanta and my oldest daughter was maybe three at the time. And I'm, and I'm, not, and, and I'm not joking. She was early talker, early question asker. And one of the traditions that we started doing uh, early on, even before we had kids, is that we would adopt a family and bring gifts to a poor family Christmas, Gretchen and I. And, you know, there's some years that we haven't gotten to that as our family's grown and, and it's just been chaotic, but we, we've tried, you know. So we were 
we got a bunch of gifts and food and, and we were bringing it to this family that we got through um, our church. Okay. And uh, we're bringing this family and, it's, and it, it's a poor family, poor house, you know, and y- your heart was breaking. We're just walking, delivering, meeting the family. We get back in the car and <clears throat> my daughter says this, three years old. She says, well, I don't understand why Santa doesn't bring gifts to poor people. Mm. And uh, that was where we had to be honest. You're going to ask an honest question. We're going to give you an honest answer. Well, actually, Santa does not bring gifts to poor people. We do. Mm-hmm. Right. And Santa doesn't bring gifts to you. You know, well, we do. Like, like, let's just talk about the reality of what Christmas is about. You know, Jesus came. He's the gift. Right. And that was what shifted for us is like, okay, like, we're just going to do things differently. Not that we have anything against Santa, but we're just not going to like, talk about how Santa brings gifts because he just doesn't, right? Right. Um, and But our kids still get gifts. They're not deprived, for goodness sakes, alive. Right. Like, <laughs> they would all probably look back and say, you know, our Christmases have been happy and, you know, yeah. we've had fun, you know, whatever the case may be. But well, I remember when my students asked me, like, Mr. Conk, do you realize that my mom has started, like, a toy drive for your kids? And That's I said, so funny. I said, would all of this would have happened if I would have said we don't go to Mass for Christmas? Hmm. Would there be a campaign to convince me I should go to Mass? Hmm. And this is what happens when we try to sanitize the world and make it Christian, is that we end up loving the world more than our faith. Right. Mm-hmm. We end up loving the worldly traditions more than the Catholic traditions we do have. Right. And I think this is such a good, important conversation. I mean, yeah, I don't know. As I think about it, I know it's like so controversial and hard to talk about, and people all have really strong opinions about all of it, and I'm just trying to... Follow the Lord, you know? Well, and I think that's the thing is like, gosh, you know, like we're we're not depriving ourselves of like gifts and the goodness, but, but how can you, you you and Abigail as a young family, you're going to have your first kid, just pray and discern together. Mm -hmm. How is God asking you as a family to keep him as the focus and priority for the holidays and particularly for Christmas, right? And, and you just do what God asks you to do, Mm -hmm. right? And that's how you become a witness, right? And it's been great for us because people are like, oh, you don't really do Santa, huh? Why? Well, the why question is like the perfect entry to why, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, because we then we start talking about the poor. We talk, start talking about the meaning of Christmas. We start talking about, you know, the gifts that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the shepherds, you know, the magi brought Jesus, you know, the whole thing. And like this, the whole story comes to life. Like there's an actual story of Christmas <laughs> that's real to us as, as, as Christians that Jesus was actually born, right? <laughs> and and like that's the whole point of this whole thing. But yet, do we have gifts and go to parties and you know like have a Christmas yeah. tree? Like you know like there's nothing that would signify that we're just completely off this planet. But there's some things that would signify that we're going to do it a little bit differently because Jesus is the priority in our home and in our life, right? Yeah, and everything we do is going to be to lead all of us and anyone who comes in contact with us to Jesus. That's what we're all about. When we have a party, it's about that. You know, when we give gifts, it's about that. Not that everything needs to be religious, even. Like, if I give you a gift, I might give you socks that don't have <laughs> Jesus on them. That's fine. But like, why am I doing this? Because I love you in Christ. Right. Like, that's why I do everything I do, and that makes a great Christmas. Well, look, I know gift-giving is a big issue, and since we're talking about this... Oh, gosh. Sometimes it gets out of hand in families, right? Like, you might... You might have an expectation, and especially you young families out there, you might be entering a situation where you're looking at like a $2,000 bill for your Christmas gifts. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, I don't know if we should 
should do this or could do this. So I just want to share an experience that we, when we got to this point, what we decided to do was to actually talk to our families about this. So we, we pro- made a proposal. Hey, y'all, look, it's getting really expensive. What if instead of buying all this stuff that we don't really need, we actually just like gave to the poor gifts like in each other's name? So like for your family, look, I've given. And so we, we kind of proposed this. That's cool. We didn't we didn't get exactly what we proposed, but we kind of like compromised. But the result being we all spend a lot less money for Christmas now. Right. And um, so anyway, I think point being, have a conversation. You might be surprised about how many of your siblings or parents are thinking the exact same thing, but afraid to bring it up. Um, if you feel like you're trapped for Christmas, that's not that's not what Jesus wants. Right. And Jesus doesn't actually <laughs> want you to go in debt for Christmas either. Yeah. You know, like because, you know, like being being bound by debt because you, you feel like yeah, there's an expectation to buy all these gifts and gifts for your kids. It's like, you know, Christmas is supposed to be about freedom. Jesus yes. came to set us free from debt, you know, mm-hmm. our spiritual debt and all the debt that we, we hold bound. Like he came to set us free. Um, and so Christmas should be this time of like, there's such focus on the gift of Jesus that, you know, we're not, you know, just so weighed down by everything else. It's hard, right? We got five kids and we want to give them some gifts and we want to be generous. And, you know, there's some things on their list that, you know, we just don't buy throughout the year. So it's an Mm -hmm. opportunity to maybe give them something that they, they haven't had. But at the same time, like it has to be within the context of what's most important. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we're in debt and stressed at Christmas, who, who are we as parents? Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, Oh man, you know, I don't want my kids' memories of me looking back on Christmas. Like, man, my parents were just so stressed. But how many of us so much whiskey in his eggnog on Christmas morning? They spent so much money. You know, they. You know, it was just like, right? Like, yeah. And we ate ramen noodles for the next three months. (laughs) Right. Right. But I think there is there needs to be a sensitivity to the fact that you share Christmas with other people. And when it comes to these rituals, we just place so much emotional weight in them. And so. I think it's a good idea to avoid statements like, well, our family's just not doing that this year. Deal with it. Making proposals is much better. Like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's why I'm thinking it. Like, I just don't want to go into debt for Christmas this year. Yeah, I just don't feel like it. I don't think that's a good idea. So what if we did something different? Mm -hmm. In other words, a proposal. Because if you come to a conclusion together, then everybody has that buy-in. If you don't, you're just going to be angry Christmas after Christmas after Christmas right. with each other. And then it'll come out, you know, like a huge fight or something. So communicate with each other is my point. Talk to your extended family. Talk to your parents. Talk to your siblings. And, and work out something that, that works for everybody. Well, and it's very important to talk about what your vision is as an immediate family of what mm-hmm. Christmas is. You know, Adam, you have, you know, eight kids, right? Like if you just went all out for Christmas, literally you would go broke, right? Oh, yeah. Like if... <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right, like it, it, it's crazy. So, like, <laughs> if the focus isn't on Jesus, then it's really confusing for kids, for people, because it's like, well, why did so and so get all this? You know, why did the neighbor next door who had two kids they each got like, mm-hmm. you know, thousand dollars worth of gifts, and we got this? Like, because, right? The, and then you draw it back to what what it's all about, and the meaning of it, and the joy of it, and Jesus. Instead of just getting trapped in, because here's the reality is we're talking about the the worldly vision for, you know, morality and ethics and vaccines, 
you know, and all those things. There is a very heavy worldly side to the holidays and Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And your neighbor next door, their kid might get a brand new car, right? Nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging that. You you do what you want if that's what you know you're supposed to do. What I'm saying is that your kids might look at that and start feeling jealousy. They might start feeling like comparing or why didn't you, why can't we? All those things that the world kind of pulls out that negative side and then drawing it back to the reality and meaning of Christmas, right? Like, you know, that's the beauty of it. Christmas, and this is a Christmas show. I think it's it's really a, <laughs> a, a show about what, what you know, our leading the culture, and leading yeah. the culture right. and Christ being in the middle is that Christmas actually has a, is a great opportunity to evangelize mm-hmm. our families, right? Not only our immediate families, but Adam, as you were talking about, like your extended families to, to even draw those folks back to the meaning of it. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, the, for us as Catholics, Christmas is a, is a, a extremely important liturgical season, yep. right? And it, and it, and it, and it highlights our savior coming into the world. Yeah, and really, as far as evangelization goes, especially to those outside your immediate family, I think Advent is just the perfect tool because if you do it right and ease into Christmas with like good Advent rituals, then as your extended family visits or y'all talk about it, you'll explain each one. For example, Christmas trees. And we've gone back and forth of like, when do we put up the tree? How do we use it? So the past several years, we've been basically we put up our Christmas tree at, at the beginning of Advent use it as a Jesse tree, which is a great tool for our kids, by the way. If y'all don't do a Jesse tree at home, listeners, like, start, because it's something they can do every day, especially young ones, but even older ones. But you remind yourself of the whole story of salvation from sin to Jesus every Advent, and it's just a great opportunity to do that. Anyway, so we, we do the Jesse tree thing on the Christmas tree. We light up the lights on St. Lucy's Day, which, by the way, Catholic culture, that's an Italian tradition. Lucy means light. Her, her feast day is December 13th. So it's a great day to turn your lights on. That's an Italian tradition. Hmm. Um, there are good Catholic traditions out there that can go right alongside the culture, but yet speak Jesus the whole Advent season. We do this because Jesus is the light of the world, right? Like we put up the tree because we're going to do a Jesse tree to talk about the drama of sin to salvation. Hmm. And it's a great time to explain that to whoever's in your house or, or whatever. Yeah, that's true. You're right. I mean, I think you you... That's the beauty of our faith and being Catholic is that, you know, when you dive into Advent, it, it just, it marinates you for Christmas. Like you're just prepared for Jesus, right? Coming into the world. When you just skip all that and all of a sudden it's Christmas Day, it's just like, oh, you know, you're not even aware of what's happening. And Advent, you know, the beginning of our liturgical year and calendar, right? It's, it's like a, it's like the restart. Like, you know, we think, oh, January 1, we get to restart, right? You know, all these, you know, New Year's resolutions and whatnot. For us as Catholics, actually, the the new spiritual year for us is Advent. It's, hey, wh- how do I want to change this year spiritually? How do I want to grow? How do I put focus on Christ being the center of my life, my world, my family, and, and what I do? How do I be different? Um, Advent's the start of that for us, Right. So it's a great time to kind of reset, press the reset button, and enter into the, just the story of God. That's the beauty of Advent. It's not confusing, right? It's it's God's story leading up to, you know, connecting, like you said, the old covenant with the new, leading up to Jesus coming into the world. And when we, we begin to do that, it we get to Christmas, and it's like, of course this is what Christmas is about, mm-hmm. right? I'm not confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, not to get too nerdy, but 
I just find one of the, one of the most fascinating moments of Christian history is when Julian the Apostate, who's an imp- emperor of Rome after Constantine. So Constantine makes the empire Christian, right? Julian comes in, he's an apostate. He rejects the faith, and he wants everyone else to reject the faith. So what does he do? His main strategy was to try to convince the empire that you can still have everything Christians brought, like you know, taking care of the sick, outreach to the poor. These are things Rome didn't do, that Christians started in Rome, right? You can have all these things, but you don't need to be Christian to do it. Like we can do it. In other words, to cut the fruit of Christianity off from its root, Christmas is that. You know, it's an a, the secular Christmas, quote unquote, is an attempt to cut off the fruit of Christianity, which is to celebrate Christ from the root of Christ Himself. And um, the more we can reconnect the root to the fruit, you know, like <laughs> the more we can say, "Yeah, it's awesome to light your Christmas tree." Do you know why we do that? Hmm. You know. We do it because Christ is the light of the world. Like we reconnect it to the roots. You can save the plant of Christmas. You can save Christmas. They'll make a Hallmark movie about you, how the Christians saved Christmas. But it can't be by like celebrating all the things that aren't connected to Jesus. You know, like we we have to be intentional about everything we do to reconnect it to Christ and lead people to Christ. You know, this just this show is kind of resetting me and reminding me, like, you know, to be more intentional about what are those days leading up through advent what are those days and feast days leading up into christmas you know um that you know we just often don't don't make a big deal out of that are really cool right mm-hmm. um and the beautiful thing is that if you're listening like you could follow the liturgical calendar and it'll be on there right you can you you can find all these hidden meanings within advent and christmas that are like well, I had no idea that you could just naturally implement into the daily life of of your family as you go through Advent into Christmas. And look, with young kids, I don't know about teenagers as much because I'm not raising them yet. Getting close, so. <laughs> well, once you start, it's going to be nonstop. Yeah. Because, you know, you're going to hit teenagers, and then it's just going to be bang, 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 oh, bang, and bang. endless parade of teenagers. Pray for me. Um, but young kids in particular, and all of us, but, like, symbols are what matters to little kids. Mm. The mem- We want memories for our kids, right? They're not going to remember details. They're going to remember in symbols, like the way it feels when you go to the beach, you know, the sand, the water. They're not going to remember all the details of that trip. They're going to remember going to the beach. And your symbols for Christmas can cost $200 or they can cost $2. They'll do the same thing, Mm. you know? Like if your kid, Christmas morning for them is they walk down and have a pile of presents, that's just a symbol to them. That's that's what's going to, they're going to remember. They're going to remember it fondly. But it could have been one present, and they would have the same exact reaction. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because yep. for them, it's all about the symbol of what it's all about. And when you light your Christmas tree, let's say on December 13th, because Jesus is the light of the world, this is a traditional day, that symbolism of the lighting of the tree is what they remember. That's how you make memories with kids, is you make it symbolic. Like, this day we do this every year, they'll remember it. And if it's a big pile of stuff that costs thousands of dollars, like... <laughs> It's going to work just as well as a $5 gift. So if you like to light your tree before December 13th, can you? And then just on the 13th, celebrate the fact that you light your tree? Sure. <laughs> just wondering. For I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know some people don't uh, give gifts till the Epiphany, which is after Christmas, traditionally. Like, yeah. You know, and they, that's just what they choose to do as a family, and I think it's cool. You know, I've never met a kid who was like, 
screwed up because of that. Like, <laughs> um, like everyone's fine. You know, like what you choose to do as a Why family. Why did you start stealing cars? Well, my family waited till Epiphany to give gifts. Yeah. And I just couldn't take it. I just couldn't so take it anymore. You Grand know? Theft Auto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you behind bars? Because my parents just did Be three gifts in honor of the gold frankincense and myrrh. And, and not I, 17 gifts. And not 17. I couldn't handle it, so I put myself in jail. And it's over. For Be the careful rest of out my there. Life. Be you careful. Know? So, but I will say this: that what will make the biggest impact on your family and your kids growing up is helping them to be in touch with giving, particularly mm-hmm. with the poor. Mm-hmm. You know, and when Jesus comes, he comes from the, for the poor as well, spiritually and physically poor. And you know, more people you know have messed up lives not because they didn't get a present, but because they live in poverty and no one loves them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest things that we like to at least highlight during Christmas when we can. Well, we're talking about leading culture. There's probably no more culturally distinct thing we've ever done than care for the poor and the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like nothing sets us apart from everyone else like that. I mean, Christianity invented that. Right. The way we know it. Now and again, people want to say, well, you can start any nonprofit, do any work. It doesn't have to be Christian, which is true. But the fruit of Christianity is caring about these people. Like right. that, that came from Christians. Mm-hmm. That came from Jesus, who says that everyone is destined for heaven with him, the smallest to the oldest. Like this is a Christian idea. And you're, I love that idea, Paul. Like make sure every Christmas we're reconnecting to that as a cultural leader that we're caring for those around us that are poor and vulnerable. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, Uncle Chad. All right, so uh, that segment went a little bit longer, which is good. It was fine. So we're going to get right to our six-pack of questions. Question. Question number one. All right, so Paul, uh, we talked about at the beginning of this kind of the moral dilemma about vaccines and things like that. Um, It seems like you can't even have a conversation about that with most people without it getting heated because people have already made up their minds. So my question for you is just describe to me this adult ability to kind of make a judgment based on facts versus like just kind of this heated emotional thing that you, you know, how important is that? as an adult and as a Christian to process information well and not make quick judgments on things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like culturally, basically what's happening is that we just bully people and shame people who don't believe the way we believe. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying I do that, nor should I, nor should we, but it seems like there's a lot of that going on in the world. You know, you don't think the way I do vote the way I do, uh, think about vaccines the way I do. I'm just going to shame you, make you feel really dumb and stupid, you know? And it's, it's bullying, you know, and with the vaccine, like I'm not an expert on this, but we do have freedoms, right? And, and it's important for us to not only look at like just our personal freedoms, but 
what do we can morally choose? You know, so read up on those things. It's no different than if you're investing money, right? And someone's investing that money for you. You want to make sure that that money is being invested in things and companies that are morally and ethically aligned with your faith, right? There are people who actually do that. So to just assume that, you know, you just give your money to someone and they're not investing it even on accident to maybe an abortion company, right? That that uh, would be against your faith. So look into things, read about things, ask questions, discern it, and uh, you know you'll you'll figure it out. Question number two, throwing them out there. Um, you said you had a talk to business people recently. Could you give me some highlights of what it looks like to uh, ethically maybe lead your business in a in a Catholic mindset or a Catholic Catholic worldview? Yeah, I think that's the mission of like a Legatus, and there's some other you know, organizations out there, it's, it's to empower those business leaders that the trickle down effect is like if the business leader and owner or whatever is, is living their faith and it's going to trickle down to everyone else below them, the way they treat them, the types of people they hire, the way that they evangelize just naturally. So it's really cool. I mean, it's one of the things that I've spoken at over the years that I, I love being a part of because, you know, I understand that great leaders will will form great people under them and vice versa. So, you know, I really encourage them, empower them. But, you know, it was challenging because bringing Christ to the culture is not easy, right? And when you have money and influence, you can kind of get lost on what's what's like leading you. And so it was kind of drawing back to the reality of their mission. And it was good. I mean, I had a good time. Question number three. So we talked about kind of, cultural societal pressures that we feel at Christmas time but really any times um, this is a real phenomenon that a lot of people deal with that are Christians like they have whether it's the friends they hang out with and they feel a lot of pressure to continue so how do you how do you help counsel folks that have this experience of, of the pressure to be a certain way but know that Christ is calling them to something else how do you reconcile that that's good I mean I I would say, you know, we talked about the liturgical new year. It's a great time to sit down and just say, what are my spiritual goals for this year? And and even look internally, like, what are some things I want to change about the way I live my life differently? Um, and start making a decision to move in that direction. And that could be like changing the people I hang out with. You know, it could be like, who's influencing me, right? And we have talked about in the past on the show, it's like the saying, like, you lay with the dogs, you wake up with the fleas. You know, it's really hard to live the spiritual life when you don't have people around you who are encouraging you to do the same, that you're in mission with, that you're, you know, you're together in this. Um, and I, I just think that's really important to set those goals and help and find people to help you move forward in those spiritual goals. Question number four, do you have, uh, what, what, I guess, what are your favorite family traditions that you do for Christmas? So... Um, we will do three gifts for the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Like Jesus got three gifts. And it's just kind of always not because our kids get a lot of other gifts from grandparents, aunts. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, so by the time they're like done with gifts, like they have, you know, plenty. Um, and then we, we pray, you know, in the morning of Christmas. Um, we, we do the Advent, you know, wreath and, and readings throughout Advent. You know, as our kids have gotten older, sometimes it's hard to find time and schedule, you know, so it, you know, it's different, but, um, you know, on, on Christmas day, we, you know, we pray, we do the gifts, three gifts, and then, uh, we cook a big breakfast, uh, mm. because if we don't eat 
till later on that afternoon, like a big Christmas dinner with with family. So we do like a huge brunch, mm. which I usually cook. Christmas brunch. Christmas brunch. Yum. What you cook? I mean, name a brunch. It's everything on there. Nice. You know, wow. but not. We don't grow the meat. <laughs> All right. Well, question number five: um, Would you purchase a Paul steak? A I Paul mean, if steak. it was twenty dollars to grow your own Paul steak, would you do it? No, but I would. I would try and purchase. You know, like like a cow plant steak thingy. Like you know. <laughs> Plant in the ground. You know, like some people are like, oh, you can order. What do you do for a living? I grow cow plants in my backyard. (laughs) Like a beer brewing kit. Like you wanted to like just do your own brew and you can order that kit and do that. It's like, fine, go for it. Try it. I don't know. With meat, I mean, I would like try it. I don't know. It's so weird to me. I still can't wrap my mind around it. But But not a Paul steak. I'm not about swabbing my DNA and growing like... (laughs) Like a cheek steak. I don't, it's so Dang. weird. I don't know. If this is true, Chad, you need it's to true. send me. I'll I, send you the I, article. Yes, please. It's rowdy. It had a lot of words in there that I didn't understand. I, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Question so, number, number six. Yeah. Sorry. Six pack of questions. I'm counting sometimes. You get the last question. Great. Um, Paul, what what's your favorite holiday to celebrate? What do you enjoy the most? Well, I think mm, I I love Easter. I think partly because I love spring. Um, and Have we talked about this? I feel like we've, we've talked about. This I before. like Easter food better than Christmas food. Okay, mm. so like just on the like natural sort of superficial level, Easter. Right on the spiritual level, Easter, Jesus raised from the dead. I think it you know it's a pretty big deal. Like the you know like yeah. he saved me. I connect well with with like the crucifixion and the resurrection of like just being saved by Christ, right? But it's hard for me to choose between the, you know like Jesus being born and Jesus raised from like I like both of them. But they I would say I would say yeah they I'm glad. do they I'm do glad they both happen. They do honest. connect by the way just letting everyone know. Uh, but I would say Easter probably if I had to choose, you know, because of the superficial things. You know, yeah. I don't, I'm not a huge gift. So, like Easter, you don't really do gifts. It's like candy, you know, for the kids. Which is great. You, know? you can't really have candy anymore with the braces. Um, no, I don't, I don't eat candy anyway. You can make a candy smoothie. That's yeah. very true, Adam. Um, you know? Well, what bums me out about Christmas is it's so short. Like, Easter's 50 days. Yeah, that's true, you right? You know? Right. And Christmas get, is eight. Yeah. Well, and then, and then some. to Epiphany and then. So I mean, it's a four-week preparation for. I know a some thing. people who do like a mm-hmm. gift every day of the Christmas season. So like you know, that's eight gifts. Cool. I ain't doing that. I can't afford that in my house. Ball. Sixty-four. It could gifts. be small gifts, so you could wrap up some used socks. That's true. Things like that. Used socks, dude. I can re-gift totally. You can re-gift. <laughs> Your kids wouldn't remember. You can save like all the Happy Meal toys. Or you do like, you know, that's a good idea. And then Thanks, rewrap them. an avocado. You know, one Dude, of those. I'm totally doing that this year. Yeah. I'm going to get on that. You know, mm-hmm. the other thing that you could do is you could save like all the Chick-fil-A um, toys because you could trade those in and get ice cream. Did you know that? I didn't Whoa. know that. Yeah. Like that's in, a heavy scene. Like in the kids' meals, they they give you a toy. Well, you can take that toy and instead of keeping it, bring it to the counter and they give you ice cream instead. Man. Way better than a toy. I wonder if I could exchange my DNA for, because they could make a steak out of it or chicken. What if they could? 
What if they could take cream. your DNA and grow ice cream? Would yeah. you do it? I have some ideas. I would this. eat Adam ice cream. I would. Eat <laughs> <laughs> It'd be very vanilla. It's different. But, yeah. but anyway, all right, great show. Thank you guys for being a part of it, Chad and Adam. Thanks, everyone, for listening on KLFT Radio and on the podcast. Share it. Be a part of it. And we really appreciate it. And hopefully, I don't know, Thanksgiving next week. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. And we'll be back. God bless.